This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. LinkedIn presents. Welcome to another episode of Press One for Nick. Your host, Nick Limsdahl, is the Director of Contact Center Solutions at VDS. Through conversations with customer service and customer experience leaders, Nick and his guests exchange insightful stories, best practices, and invaluable lessons they have learned along the way. Welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast. My name is Nick Limsdahl, and my guest this week is Elenia Vidali. She is a passionate customer centricity advisor, author, and keynote speaker. She's been inspiring leaders and C-level executives of world-class organizations on embracing customer centricity as the key to unlocking the future of business. Driven by bringing humanity to business, her mission is to see a brighter future where companies embrace a higher purpose, creating value of all stakeholders and contribute positively to society. She is an author of Journey to Centricity, a customer-centric framework for the era of stakeholders capitalism. Elenia, welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast. Thank you, Nick, for having me. Such a pleasure. Yeah, you bet. So one question I ask every single guest at the very beginning is, and, and I, it's always interesting on what the answers are, but what's one thing people might not know about you? Well, I was going to say people don't know that I wrote a book in customer centricity, but you've just said it. So... <laughs> So that's one thing that people might not know about me because it's a very recent publishing. It it was only published seven months ago. But aside from this, another thing that people might not know about me is that my very, very first experience in customer experience was when I worked for NEC for my very first job after my graduation. Uh, We used to deploy facial recognition softwares uh, to enhance uh, retail experiences and passenger experiences, any kind of experience and customer experience as well. So that was my very first experience in CX. That one thing. And then uh, another thing that people might not know is that in 2017, I quit my corporate career to pursue this uh, um, entrepreneurial adventure in the coaching companies to become more customer centric. So I love that. Where was that transition where you were your your first role of into customer experience? Where did you get that hook? Like where was it the aha moment and you're like I need to learn more about this? Well, at CX at that time it was really unknown. It was kind of like People weren't talking about it. Companies weren't really practicing customer experience and the value of the customer wasn't really understood much by companies. So I was working for this software, NEC Corporation. So we used to deploy this software that um, um, in a way would enhance with facial recognition and biometric would enhance the experience of customers. So that's where we understood why it was important to um, understanding customer needs, understanding their emotions. Um, that's where basically it all began for us as a company. But it was all very new, you know. We wouldn't really understand much about customer needs and expectations at that point. And then this was back in 2011, Then a few years ago, I think it was in 2018, the European Union stopped uh, facial recognition softwares from uh, being used in private companies. So only governments can 
actually um, now use uh, biometric and, soft and software recognition um, software. So that kind of uh, shifted, especially for NEC, but I had already left at that point for that company. Then I moved to other companies and um, until when in 2017, I quit my career. So, but it's interesting how it developed, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So there's the book Journey to Centricity, uh, which I have here, a customer centric framework for the era of stakeholder capitalism. This is a, and, and I think I, I mentioned that prior to recording, but it's a, for me, I always like to read books like this with where there's so much meat in them is to take them and kind of digest them and then go back to it and, and start picking through and saying, oh, I want that. Or I'm listening to a conversation five weeks later and I got to go back to the book mm. to, to see what, what really happened. But there was a ton of, ton of stuff in here and I think it's, it's worth a read. So all my listeners go out and pause, buy the book and then come back and, and hit play again. But there, you know, there's, there's a lot of questions I could ask, but you know, I think you, you touched on the facial recognition. So I'll, I'll start on the opposite of that. Uh, when it comes to organizations, they're trying to run so fast uh, and they're trying to add technology, which I think is great at the right time. But how do how and why do brands need to be more human? Mm. So you touched a very, very important and critical point here. So let me start from um, the beginning. So let, let me let me go a little a few years backwards. So when I started working in companies, especially like in corporations, I could see two main patterns, okay, across this 15 years. The first one um, is, of course, um, is, is basically listed and said in my subtitle, in the subtitle of my book, is, of course, the capitalist system in which we are living as a society. So the fact that too, for too many years, brand purpose was that of maximizing profit. And, you know, and you, companies years ago, they used to have a bit of an arrogant presence in the market, that of I am a company kind of voice, you know. And in many circumstances, this is still the case for many, many, many companies. But when this happens, the customer is just seen as a number and it gets forgotten and not valued as it should. So this is one of the one of the patterns that I, I can see and I still see. Um, another pattern is uh, as we dived into the Internet age and the digital age, companies are trying to automate as many customer interactions as they can, of course, because, you know, it's, it's cheaper to have more technologies and less people. And um, and that's that's totally fine because automating processes offer incredible benefits for a business. Um, but the only thing is that when when this happens, which happens for many, many companies, um, so it's basically we create a wall between the company and the customer. And um, in that, the conversation and that relationship between them, it gets increasingly impersonal. So doing business, as we know, is about creating strong relationship with customers, which can never be automated. And um, you might have read it in the book that these days, businesses are a lot of um, and under a lot of pressure for many, many different reasons, such as commoditization of products, lack of relevance in highly saturated marketplaces, and especially more empowered consumers. 
And today, so back to your question, how, why do brands uh, need to be more human? Because customers require it. Being a more human brand, be more present, be more conversational, open dialogues with customers helps to develop that stronger bond with customers, you know, which is not done by uh, selling products only, you know. Um, so that's that's the uh, main reason. So having the best product in the market is not a differentiator anymore, as it used to be years ago, you know. For today's consumers, the new digital consumers and the new generation of consumers, brand customer relationship must go beyond that single transaction. And customers really want to talk to companies that care for them um, as human beings, as opposed to as wallets. Um, and that's why I believe it's super important these days to differentiate yourself as a human brand rather than a product brand. Yeah. And you can feel that difference of organizations that are focused on the human versus, oh, I'm number 10,462. Yeah. And I need to hit my certain metric in the contact center. So I'm going to fly through this conversation, not actually hear you out mm-hmm. or care about your needs, but solve the problem and potentially interrupt you to hit my metric and potentially get my bonus at the end of the year. That's it. So how, bringing it back to being more human, how can organizations shift their focus from bringing more humanity into those organizations? So in, uh, in the first section of, of Journey to Citricity, I've highlighted the humanity factor of a business, how they can be more human. And um, as, you, as you well know, I have highlighted three critical components to bring in humanity into companies. The first one is of utmost importance and it's purpose. Second one is empathy. And the third one is trust. So now businesses used to start from selling products. So from putting a product in the market and with hope to selling it to as many customers as possible to uh, maximize profit as much as possible, right? But these days, businesses must start with a brand purpose because purpose, pur- sorry, purposeful positioning is all, about, is all about how your brand makes a positive impact on people's lives. And that's how companies and um, customers are buying products. They are based, they're buying their, um, sorry, they are basing their buying um, processes and their buying decisions on what does a brand, a company stand for, you know, beyond what they actually sell, so a product or service, which is still very important, of course, because it needs to fulfill those basic needs of a customer. So um, purpose is really what sits at the core of a company. And we are we are seeing it in many, many companies that are actually having a voice in political and social issues these days, such as Patagonia, Nike and many others. Um, so it really what drives everything that a, a company does. So everything should rally around a purpose. Employees are more engaged, customers are more engaged, and of course, we have healthier organizations. That is one of the um, ways that we can foster authenticity, relevance, um, as we said, employee engagement, and 
And customers want to buy from the brand and reward the brand with trust. Um, then the second component, as I mentioned, is empathy. So empathy, as we know it, is walking in our customer's shoes, understanding the customer on a deeper level. So questions that customers might ask is, does this brand get me? Does he really understands me? Does he care about me as a human being? And then we have trust. Can I trust this brand? So consumers will exchange their trust with a brand. So they will give their business um, to brands that they really trust. So how do we earn that trust? You know, so these elements, I believe, are those that make a brand more human and that we really can differentiate ourselves from the rest of, of the competition. Yeah, I, I love those, the way that you, you brought that together because, you know, specifically with, with empathy, <laughs> people don't necessarily think of the the feelings of that customer. They're not saying, I hear you, I see you, or labeling the, the pain or frustration or anger that they're going through because of, of the frustration that, that, that I, the product or service cost. And so if they're not labeling it saying, it sounds like we really let you down. Mm. that that seems frustrating uh it it seems like it feels like we went through this here's what i'm going to do about it but until you hit that level there was a guy um uh, derek gaunt that i had on the podcast and he was a uh hostage negotiator um and he said the unaddressed emotions never die and he, i said please say that again he said unaddressed emotions never die and i was like Man, that is so true even in customer service and customer experience. When somebody has a bad experience, it usually comes down to how the company handled it. Right. And how they made them feel throughout that process. Right. So bringing it back to a, a question is like, how can, how can organizations connect emotionally with customers? Yeah, so... You know, it sounds very abstract, but actually it's not. <laughs> so basically, we human beings, we think and we buy products and services based on two different things. So in these, the product-centric approach considers only the rational aspect of an experience um, because companies believe that customers um, only look at product features, quality, and prices. Although these are very important, as we know it, when making decisions, we human beings are influenced much more than just rational factors like price and quality. In other words, so the rational part of our brain, the left part, understand processes, logic, numbers, and science very simply, it basically wants to evaluate things. The instinctive part of our brain, so the right part, um, instead makes instant decisions and intuitive decisions based on feelings, dreams, emotions, and intuitions. Both parts are extremely important. So the left part wants to see wants things to be easy and convenient, which is what most companies focus on. Rather, the other parts, um, it, as I said, it looks into the emotions. But these, most companies look only at the rational part and forget the right side of the brain, so the emotions of, of the people. 
Now, focusing solely and only on the left part of the brain, so the rational part, it creates only satisfied customers because, as we said, it focuses only on the um, price, price, product, etc. Um, but it doesn't really create emotionally connected customers. But emotionally connected customers are much more likely to complain less about things. They're much more understanding about things when they go wrong, and they obviously go wrong many times. And they are much more valuable to a company. Um, so how does this emotional connection um, occurs? So it occurs through our communi communication. It occurs when we are communicating above and beyond our products, features, and uh, and prices. When we are, you know, banging about buy now products, buy now my product. So it's about being genuine. It's about being vulnerable. It's about making customers valued and caring about them. So adding value to their lives uh, beyond, as I said, beyond products and services. So it's about, as we were saying earlier, it's about the the impact that we have on society. That positive impact. And personalization is another one. So how much do we personalize? How much do we listen to our customers based on their needs and, and expectations? Do we create a sense of belonging through our community? All these things um, create emotional connection with customers. And so just to give you, to put this into perspective, on average, customers are fully emotionally connected, are 52% more valuable than those who are just highly satisfied. And as we said, highly satisfied customers are those who are happy with a product and service. But emotionally connected customers are those who are satisfied and connected beyond that product and service. And I'm going to give you a very easy and um, simple example about all this. I'm not sure whether you got to the point where I talk about my story with my mattress company in the book. So basically what happened a few few months ago, actually last year, I was having really, really bad, bad back pain. And uh, obviously I went to Google and searched for the best uh, mattress company and um, got in touch with this company, you know, had an appointment with them and to try the mattress. Uh, it was one of those shiny, beautiful foam mattresses that we all have these days. So I got the mattress and that's fantastic. So the company made me, fill a form in one of those forums like um, asking me questions about my health and my back pain and uh, my house or many bedrooms I had and things like that which I happily filled and then after about a month I started getting um, newsletters and uh, sales emails about getting a new mattress buy now a new mattress so you need a new mattress so as you can probably hear here they, were, they weren't really interested about my back pain, about my health, and, um, you know, understanding how did I do with a new mattress. They were just selling to me and not even upselling with new sheets or new pillows and things like that. But as I mentioned, I live in a one-bedroom house. Where did they think I was going to fit another mattress? You see, so you you disconnect from them and you, you are satisfied because the product is it's satisfying enough. But then you disconnect with the brand because the brand doesn't really care about you. So you see what I mean about emotional connection? I would have been much more connected emotionally if it, if they had asked me about my back pain. How was my first night? Did I need anything else? 
you know, how can I clean this mattress and things like that. But they weren't really interested. And that's why customers emotionally disconnect from a brand because of all these things that they don't really um, make you, they don't really make you part of, uh, the brand is it's not really part of your life. Let's put it this way. In a competitive market, does your customer service stand out from the crowd? One way to offer a better experience is by moving your contact center to the cloud. But with so many options to choose from, how do you know which solution is the best for both your business and your customers? That's where VDS comes in and guides you to the best solution. They understand your clients' pain points, business outcomes, and goals. Then VDS designs, implements, supports, and provides 24-7 managed services. From start to finish, VDS is committed to finding the best solutions for your clients' needs. To learn more, go to www.govds.com or find a link in the show notes. Yeah, they don't necessarily care about you. They care about that next sale. Mm-hmm. And, and let's say on the opposite side of that, you got this new mattress. It's now installed. It's been a couple weeks in. And they said, hey, I was just curious, how, how is the back pain going? It seems like everything's going good, but I don't want to assume here's some things that you can do to alleviate back pain that have nothing to do exactly. with our mattress. Exactly. And continuing to find ways to add value and you're still commo- uh, connecting emotionally, even though you might not be connecting to the sales guy, Nick. Yeah. So you're saying that companies who care emotionally and add value are more valuable or f- are have a higher increased customer lifetime value? Yes, absolutely. So when I said that customers are emotionally connected, are more valuable as a customer for a brand, is because if there is a company that I think that I need to get pillars from, I automatically think of that company where I bought the batteries from, right? But because that company doesn't really care about me and only wants to sell me stuff, probably I'm going to look somewhere else. Do you know what I mean? So it's that kind of mutual caring that is missing. So if they want to only sell me stuff, probably I'm not interested, you know, because I will be looking for another company that probably sells a better product and that's more interested in me, my back pain. The the emotion and adding value takes a lot more effort from their from their side. Yes. Because anybody can sell a great product Mm -hmm. and anybody can have a decent price, but not many people can put it, the emotion, create personalization and deliver what they say they're going to after that product goes live, after the mattress goes in. So I... Yeah, I think we could have a podcast just on on that <laughs> Absolutely. podcast episode. I agree with you. And you see, when you, when we talk about empathy, it's also this, you know, um, it's also listening deeply in what's going on in that person's life. Um, are they happy with a with a mattress? Are they not happy? What's going on with a back? Um, you know, it's just caring um, beyond selling a new mattress, which they weren't even listening to me because I said I lived in a one bedroom, <laughs> in a one bedroom house. So it's, it's even like they, it's irrelevant to me, you know, you know, their communication. So, so yes. Let's, let's bring that to the next question. I think 
if when somebody says, would you like a second mattress? They're thinking, what do you have a bunk bed of, of <laughs> queen mattresses, of king mattresses? <laughs> but, you know, when it comes to an organization, what makes them trustworthy? Right. Okay. So this is a very interesting question. Um, so what makes an organization trustworthy? Organizations, I believe, have two currencies. They have money and trust. So the currency of money is, uh, is measurable, you know, it's tangible, and uh, it allows you to exchange uh, money for products and services that, and then that you can then reinvest in other things, like in customer experience initiatives, perhaps. <laughs> um, but every organization in the world has another um, currency, that of trust. If money is the currency of transactions, trust is the currency of interactions. And that's the analogy that I explain in, in the chapter five of my book. So there is a common misconception in the business world that a company can build trust, which is wrong. That implies that a company are in control of building trust with their customers. But instead, companies can earn trust from their customers, you know, and that is done over and over again in a constant way for long term. It doesn't just happen overnight, you know. So I believe that um, companies can be trustworthy or can earn trust in um, different ways. So let's look at the emotional-based traits. So there are four traits. Two are emotional-based traits. One is integrity and one is empathy. So integrity, as we said, this is about how the customer's values are aligned with your brand values. And that's basically our purpose. In other words, is your company promise aligned with its actions? Can I trust this company, what it's saying in terms of its purpose, its integrity, etc.? The empathy, empathy, as we said, involves walking in customer shoes and understanding their emotions and, you know, listening to customers. Then we have two more traits, which are uh, rationally based traits. Um, one is competence, which answers the question such as, can this company help me? Does it have the skills to do what it says it can do in terms like tangible skills in terms of product, um, you know, and services, right? And then the last hard trait is reliability, which depends on two things, responsiveness. So does the company shows up on time or answer questions? And the last one is consistency of behavior over time. Again, when we say behavior over time is, are you consistent in your actions, whether it's soft traits actions or uh, rational, rational hard traits actions? You know, this is how I believe we earn trust from companies, from customers. And again, it's not just about integrity, empathy um, and purpose, but it's also about your product. Your product is the minimum that needs to fulfill the basic, the very, very basic needs of, of our customers. So that's my, my belief. It seems like empathy is, is more important than people give it credit. So how can organizations take that empathy and embed that across the entire company? Absolutely. Empathy, I believe, is one of the most important competences of emotional intelligence and is a critical leadership skill. But it's often underestimated and is often seen as a soft skill, as a wishy-washy or too feminine kind of thing, you know. Um, 
So as we said, it really means understanding the customer perspective, feeling their experience, what it's like to be um, a customer as if they are living, as if we as, as brands and, and leaders are living their experience. So, um, you know, it's, it's a critical to developing a customer-centric culture because it enables customer perspective taking. Even in building a product, in, in producing a new product, Customer-centric organizations, they invite customers in, in, you know, and actually actively listen to them to create that product rather than putting a product in the market. And I believe that's hugely important, you know, and that's how empathy is embedded into the organization in every different um, department of the organization, even in the R&D, which is one of the most critical part of a company as we know it. So um your question was how can we embed empathy into the entire organization i believe that it starts from the top so as leaders rise in their ranks of their organizations they become increasingly disconnected from customers um some executive leaders they never speak to customers and yet they are trying to make decisions um in their best interest or make strategies you know for for those customers so i believe that's where it all starts you know um so how can you possibly understand the experience of a customer if you've never interacted with them if you've never spoken to them so customers customer empathy needs to be embedded into the day-to-day -day organization rituals and that requires leaders to role model empathic behavior with their teams and, and then it will roll down to customers, you know. Um, but how does it start from their team? You know, empathy embedded from the leaders to their teams, how does it work? So it really starts with, um, um, with asking questions such as, what would our customers think about this strategy? You know, for example, there was... Um, um, I recently listened to Howard Schultz, the CEO of Starbucks, and he said that in 40 years of leading the company, one ritual that they used to do every Monday morning, they used to have two chairs as a metaphor for employees and customers. And for every decision-making process, they will ask, would this make our employees and customers proud? Can we do this? Would they make them happy? If yes, of course, they will pursue it. If no, they will completely roll it out, you know. This is the way that you can embed things and bring customers into board meetings. Talk about customers, you know, be empathetic. It starts from them. So that's one way uh, that we can embed um, empathy into the organizations. Another way is um, um, to make you understand from for employees is physically design experience for them. So make them literally walk in the customer's shoes um, to understand what are the pain points that customers are feeling, uh, you know. But um, as we tend to automate extremely, like everything these days, um, like companies don't really understand that you might be able to automate some sort of customer interactions with with some sort of friendly friendly software, but you'll never be able to automate kindness, empathy, and trust. And these are the things that make a brand more human. 
So I think it's these three components that we mentioned at the beginning of, of this episode, purpose, empathy, and trust are our differentiator. There's so much there that I could continue to, to dive into. And I think there's, I, I love the fact that it starts at the top. And the the top can't just say it's kind of like a mission, vision and value statement. You can't just throw it up on the wall and say, you guys should live by this. Mm -hmm. It's the leadership that are showing this. These are what's important. This is why we value these things. And here's what we're going to do about it. Here's what we're going to be managed and how how we're going to be bonused on it. You know, I, I don't know what the right way to be bonused on empathy is, but if you're not leading by example, and you're just saying, be more empathetic. Right. People are like, well, why should I care? Right. And if you don't give them the why of understanding the importance of caring and how that impacts the customer and how that impacts that next person, that internal customer as well, because empathy shouldn't just be with that external customer. It should be with everybody inside that organization. Correct? Absolutely. Well, it starts from them. Of course, if... if employees don't feel engaged, they don't feel actively, empathetically listened by their leaders. How can they possibly transmit that empathy and the active listening to customers? It's, it's just, you know, it's, it's a mirror, right? It's definitely, it's definitely a, a direct reflection of, of the employee and how you treat them. So I, I love that. So the question is, and, and people might might believe it or not, you know, people are born with empathy or some people have that, that knack to, to be more empathetic, but can it, can empathy be taught from your perspective? I think I'd say it can be practiced. You know, I wish she was taught at university like practical skills and like all the skills, but it's, it's not something that they, we, we have been, um, talk these days. I really wish in the future. Oh, however, it can be practiced. We all have the capacity for be more empathetic because it's not a fixed human trait. So it's it's actually about thirty percent genetically determined, and therefore it's something that we can sharpen over time, which is good news. Um, because our brain has the physical structure um, to practice this. Uh, this skill and it's called um, mirror neurons, you know, which are the building blocks of uh, of empathy. These these neuro these mirror neurons they give us the ability to understand and feel what others are thinking and feeling. You know, it's like a mirror. When you uh, it's contagious. In fact, we human beings not only conform to others' bad behavior but also to good behaviors such as kindness, such as empathy. You know, it's uh, it's it's like a mirror. So we we do it's it's like you know when you were a child and you were taught certain behaviors from your parents it's exactly the same thing if if we are shown how to behave then we automatically do it ourselves right um and that's why i believe empathy should be taught in universities should be taught in schools in primary schools etc because it's such a critical skills if we are more empathetic within organization and outside organization in society in general um, we have better businesses and definitely a better society. That's such a great answer because it's similar to listening and speaking. 
when you're very young, you're getting taught the words and the sounds of learning how to speak. And then slowly, hopefully you're getting better to become a better speaker. And the same is true with listening there. I can be a really good speaker and I'm just over talking Mm -hmm. you all the time and I'm not actually paying attention to what it is, but it's, it's practiced. And the more you practice, the, the better that you will become because hopefully you're learning from the things that you've done that aren't working or aren't the best way. Uh, and so empathy, I think, is is very similar to that. Absolutely, yes. And that's why I, I cannot stress enough the fact that leaders should role model the skills, the empathetic um ways of dealing with other people because eventually like brands and organizations are made of people yes it's humans doing business with other humans right and the more people understand that the better that this world will will become so uh elenia i have two questions uh, i wrap up every podcast and the first one is what book in customer service or customer experience or even maybe an organization has influenced you the most in the past year so i'll pause there Okay, so in the past year, I read Steve Van Belleguer, The Offer You Can't Refuse, is a CX fellow from Belgium. And uh, I think that's a really, really nice book um, that I really liked. Another book that I loved about CX um, was Peter Fader, Customer Centricity, was another good book. Yes, I mean, there are many, there are many good CX books, but uh, perhaps these are the two that... um, um, have had an, an impact in my my writing as well. In fact, they are two interviewees in my book. It's very cool. I, I've interviewed Peter, but I'll have to take a peek at, at the other fella. So the second question I have and the last question is if you could leave a note to all customer service professionals and it, it's going to hit everybody's desk Monday at 8 a.m., what would it say? Read my book. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> What's no, I'm kidding. Um, so I think we as CX professionals, we have, we should have the strong mission to emphasize to leaders to create more humanized companies because like efficiency, automation, that's super important. And we are used to make processes more efficient, but we are not used to making brands more human. So I think we have the power to do that. Great answer. Where is, if, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, if they want you to come out and speak or if they want to buy your book, how do they find you? So they can find me on my website, ileniavidili.com or through LinkedIn as well. I'm quite active um, on LinkedIn, Ilenia Vidili. I welcome them. It's great. Everybody go connect with Elenia and uh, go find her, buy her book, tell people about her. She's awesome, has a great book. And uh, Elenia, I wish you nothing but success. Thank you so much, Nick. Hey, listeners, can you think of one person who would benefit from the information you learned today? If so, please consider sharing this episode with them. And last, if you would like to receive all the quotes and book recommendations from all my guests, you can go to pressonefornick.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of Press One for Nick. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share. Until next time, focus on your customers. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.